Good afternoon, everyone. This is another episode of the Off Topical Podcast. My name is Gardner. And I'm Ryan. And today we've got a couple great, uh, interesting stories for you guys. Uh, Ryan, what are we talking about today? Okay, well, we're going to start with a very light story, not depressing or sad at all, um, <laughs> which is the uh, study that happened within Facebook that they conducted themselves that shows that actually Instagram is bad for teenagers' mental health, which I think everyone knew, but the fact that Facebook knew and then decided to essentially do nothing about is kind of frustrating. Yeah, this um, this story is really interesting to me for a couple of reasons, because I think there's some strong parallels here between Instagram and cigarettes. Yeah. Well, wait, let's before we hop into that, because I'm so ready to hop into that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about let's hint to the audience a few other stories we're going to do today. Oh, yeah. Uh, we're going to talk uh, search in Android. And not search. To uh, def- search default web browsers and just privacy in Android. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about the potential Steam console. And finally, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, Neva search engine and my my journey into trying that out. So, okay. Now we can hop in in, into Instagram. All right, cool. Uh, So, yeah, like I said, I think that Instagram is deliberately designed to be addictive. Facebook knows it. And the the internal study they commission confirms it. Not only is it addictive and designed to be, but it is damaging for one's mental health like cigarettes are to one's lungs. And Facebook tried to bury that research. This is yeah. this is amazing and horrifying. I, yeah, and it's just it's really just sad. I mean, it's not it's not unexpected no. at this point. Like none of that. What's sad about uh, this coming out is none of this was a surprise. I don't think to me it wasn't a surprise to no. my wife. It wasn't. Everybody who heard it was like, "Oh, we didn't we already know that?" You know, <laughs> kind of thing. But I think that's that's a sign that maybe this has gone a little too far. Like, if if everyone just knows this and doesn't need to even know that this happened in order to be upset about it, I think it's time to maybe look at at this company and and not in some ways I think. This comes down to a personal choice, too. I did a uh, social media slash, well, it was more like a dopamine almost, like detox. Mm. But a lot of that was social media. I did that at the beginning of this year. And uh, and that was amazing. Um, and it taught me a lot about tech usage patterns that I didn't even know about myself. Uh, when I removed the, uh, Twitter app from my phone for the next like week, I realized when I picked up my phone, my, my thumb in the evening would just like hit the spot that the Twitter app used to be in. Yep. 
And uh, that was not, I was not making a conscious decision because you wouldn't just like, like hit a empty spot on your home screen, you know, like, uh, and then it started to dawn on me like, oh man, like I was going there to get like a hit of, you know, like, I don't know, like dopamine or like whatever. And, uh, and I know for a fact, just from watching my friends use Instagram, I'm not an Instagram user. Uh, I've tried, it's something about it. It it works well on teens, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't work work very well on me. Um, but just watching friends and family use it, you know, every time I look at them, you know, that it's a very high probability that Instagram is open. Yeah. And so, uh, I'm not surprised anyway, but I do think we kind of, as a society need to talk about like addiction to this stuff more, more openly and about a little bit about, not just how the company is going to address this because it's against their interests and their bottom line to address this, yeah. but how we're going to address it as a society and as individuals. Yeah. And so, I mean, honestly, I think that there are certain user interface paradigms that should just be like outlawed, like against the law, like the way Facebook, like for example, well, the way Facebook uh, uses like uh, trivial engagement, like likes and and hugs and whatever the heck else they have in their you know likes, um, trivial engagement like that. I think should not be legal. Uh, it's meant to be addictive. It's meant to give you that dopamine rush, um, and. I think we should like look. I mean, obviously, that's just my opinion. Like, I don't know if there's a better way of doing something like that that's less addictive. I think it should be based on research, obviously. But like, even things like um, link previews should we should really examine how they're generated and when they're shown to people. Um, like it, you know, in Discord, like if you drip, drop a link, or in Facebook, if you drop a link in, it'll once you publish it, it'll show a link preview. That kind of stuff is also um, rather uh, it's it's meant to get people addicted. You know, like when you see like headlines uh, in your timeline, that's meant to keep you scrolling, right? Like. You think you get like the yep. whole story just by reading the headline and like the little bit of text uh, and the fact that like you own like the the people that own that link have to think about, oh, this is going to show up in someone's feed. And so they have to like make it as clickable, as clickbaity as possible. You know, like there there's these perverse incentives that I think we need to talk about and, and address as a culture. Um so for me, it's like we we need to look at like how notifications are presented to users, um, how uh, engagement is, you know, engaged, how people engage with posts on Facebook, on other platforms, even if comments should exist or not. Like comments, most of the time are just garbage. <laughs> like I don't know if you've realized this, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I'm kind of a social media experiment has failed kind of guy 
Like that's my whole perspective. Like, I mean, even a lot of like YouTube, I think is, is, has a, is a failed experiment. Um, and that's coming from a guy whose livelihood is based on YouTube. (laughs) I couldn't agree more, honestly. Um, you know, I'm, I kind of wonder how much this, uh, addictive quality to social media and not just addictive quality. Like it is an addictive quality, but it's also like, I call them like, um, almost like micro achievements, um, Mm. in video games, I call them that, but you know, like they're also, this gamification also applies to like, uh, social media, like every interaction that you do, it gives you that little bit of like, uh, that dopamine hit that, micro achievement that makes you feel like you've done something and that it's good and that and it's you get the payoff very quick like the payoff is very fast like somebody comes by and they like your post or they comment you know or or they reply to your comment or whatever or they it all these things like they when you think about them they like train your brain that like for this like instant feedback loop. Yeah. And, and I think that's really bad because, and there are, there's plenty of books already written on this <laughs> as far as social media and video games are concerned and lots of other, you know, uh, online experiences. Um, but when you have that, like it makes the rest, the other parts of your life, um, less fulfilling because you know let's say for instance that you're you're in a relationship maybe you're like you're have a child or something Mm -hmm. you know the the payback on raising a child oftentimes is a lot the payoff is a lot longer than a few seconds or a few minutes and so like the satisfaction or gratification that you're going to get from you know raising a child or having a successful marriage or having a successful relationship with you know a family member or whatever or friend like it's a lot harder to um have that compete with you know just like i'm just gonna hop online and and scroll twitter scroll instagram even though like the time would be better spent in those relationships in real life yeah uh but you know they don't (laughs) they don't instantly like get your interactions with your family doesn't instantly get like likes from all of the internet and things like that. And and so it's like hard to compete kind of. Yeah. And And, there's, there's also the quality of, you know, um, the quality of your interaction, you know, goes down. Um, you know, when you're, when you have like trained yourself to to feed off like the the negative energy of like outrage that you see in your yeah. uh, in your you know news feed or on your you know timelines or whatever you know the doom scrolling I mean doom scrolling is a real thing that people do you know and it's like that that kind of like you're you're training your brain to like feed off that kind of rotten energy and um and that seeps into your personal life like your everyday social uh life uh i mean 
maybe it's just the prevalence of cameras nowadays, but like, you know, I mean, I've even seen it like personally, like I've seen it out in public when cameras weren't even on. There are people who are just behaving way, way worse than they ever would have before social media came along. You know, like you've heard, you've you've seen like the Karens online and stuff. I've seen that in person um, recently in the last couple of years. And it's like, I never saw that before, you know, like, yeah, people used to be respectful. (laughs) And I I guess we're, we might be a couple of old curmudgeons. Um, but, uh, like, I don't even, I just don't understand. Like, I mean, I, I honestly think that a lot of that has come from the outrage that people are used to expressing and seeing on online. And it's, it's interesting because, it's interesting because Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and whatever, especially I think Facebook and Twitter um, over the last few years, when it comes to outreach, has really changed our behaviors, like as a society. Yeah. Especially in America. And, but I would say like the internet, you didn't use, it's not the, the existence of the internet that caused this because, no. you know, there was a time. <laughs> When I remember having conversations on the internet, on forums, on, you know, in like chat rooms or whatever, that like it was honest, like engagement and learning and exchange of ideas. And yeah, there were sometimes people who popped in there, you know, who who didn't, you know, uh, engage in like uh, good faith. But yeah those people were thrown out. They weren't like people didn't rally around to shout each other down. They were like, no, uh, you're not here to have a conversation. You're here to just like, you know, yell and scream. And I, that's totally changed. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of factors for that. And I think like it's the prevalence of smartphones as well. Like, because it, dude, if I mean, seriously, I think that it all comes down to addiction, right? Like, I think that, you know, people don't behave these outrageous ways unless they they are suffering from like an actual addiction and smartphones like the smartphone user interface is designed to be addictive. Right. Like there's that feedback loop of you get a notification, you look at your phone and some most of the time it's just literally it's just trash notifications. It's like. Or sometimes, dude, I'm sometimes my phone will give, will like ding at me, like, oh, you have a notification. I'll look at my phone and there is no notification. (laughs) Like, there's none. I don't know what the heck's going on. But like, that's the kind of stuff. Like, so it's not just like the outrage on Facebook. It's not just like the addictive nature of Instagram. It's the, it's the addictive nature of the devices that we carry around in our pocket that are spying on us. And it's like we're addicted yeah. to these little glass oracles, and and <laughs> like I think that that addiction feedback loop, not just in the apps and the services that we use, but on the devices that we use themselves, that's contributing so, to it as well. So one thing I want to I want to say while we're talking about this story is is you know what came out in the Wall Street Journal um, was a big you know article on on this and and that's where this got this that's where this broke yeah um but the the thing that their their study detailed is like it made um 
essentially Instagram found that like teen teen girls, their mental health is really degrading as they use Instagram because of it. And one of the leading reasons is, is body image issues. Yeah. Um, and like the saddest part of this is it's, I don't think it's just, um, body, body image. Like I'd be curious to see what else Facebook researchers have found, Oh yeah, you know, like, because, uh, Cause I've heard lots of, um, I've heard lots of people kind of talking about the effect Instagram and social media in general has been having on like their, their lives and their happiness. Um, but, but, you know, when, when you're on one of these platforms, these teen girls, you know, they're seeing lots of these, these images of really attractive people, you know, living, you know, these fancy lives where they're, you know, in, in beautiful places and they don't have the ability to, to realize like, Hey, that's, that's not real life. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and I don't know, man, that's like the saddest part of this is like, I don't have kids, you know, so I don't, it's, it's not in front of me all the time, but like, I can't imagine being a teenager right now. Oh no! And being on these platforms and seeing seeing people living what look like to be like more interesting lives than you, you know, like yeah. <laughs> with beautiful, surrounded by beautiful people and beautiful places, like um, and. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't you know. know. Like I, dude, I, you know, when I was growing up, I, I, you're a little bit younger than me, but when I was like a teenager, um, I was on like MySpace. Like MySpace was my jam, right? And like all of my friends were on MySpace, and it was just my friends. Like I wasn't friends with people I didn't know in real life, uh, yeah. and everyone was literally just using MySpace to like to talk with their friends you know um and yep. then like maybe a year into using myspace everyone started putting way too much stock in who was in your top eight you know like you you would yeah. you would be able to like drag your friends around and and have like a top eight list of your top eight most <laughs> valuable friends and so many people would get so butthurt about that and I realized, like, oh, my God, this is not healthy. <laughs> like, I knew it when I was a teenager, man. Like, I was like, this is just bad. Uh, so I chose not to have a top eight. And people got upset at me that I didn't have a top eight. <laughs> so, yeah. like, social, like, you know, and the thing is, too, it's like, I don't think that MySpace did that on purpose, right? Like, that wasn't, like, meant to stoke outrage but the platform holders today pretty much everything they do is meant to 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 like put you in an emotional state where you're uh more easily manipulated by ads and yeah that is like the entire thing you're gonna spend more time on their platform 
uh, you're going to get more depressed. You're going to see more ads. They make more money. And it's a the cyclical thing. And it's disgusting. And they are predator. They Facebook and Google even and all these other platform holders, they are predators. And they need to be like curtailed significantly. Yeah. But also um, two things before we move off this one is like just for our audience and and for our audience's families is i i really encourage you guys if you do use social media on a regular basis to to set some limits um yes on how often you use social media and and maybe maybe even uh do a detox for a couple of weeks so that that it's not part of your habits anymore and, and your children um, too. And that's what I was going to say next is, is if you're not already engaged in like what your children are doing with social media, I think all of the research that we're seeing is showing that it's pretty bad yeah. for them and they don't have the same, like their brain isn't even completely formed yet. Right. Like they don't have even near as much self-control as as adults do and adults don't have very good self-control so right uh and they don't have the way to contextualize that like you know they haven't had enough interactions to contextualize that someone on instagram may look like they have the perfect life but like that doesn't necessarily mean they do and they need to know that they don't need to compare um but you know what i learned in this article what uh, there's a planned product called fit, uh, Instagram for kids. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it's, uh, you know, the fact that they're doing that even in the face of this research shows that they really don't care. They only care about money. Yeah. And also, yeah. and it's not like, especially with little kids, like little kids watch YouTube and they need to be told like, look, I know this, you know, these kids that you're watching on YouTube have all these toys and their life looks so glamorous, but their parents are abusing them by putting them on YouTube and you don't mm-hmm. want what they have because what they have is yeah. not nice. It's not good. So, uh, one, okay. I keep saying one more thing, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'll try to, I'll try to send over this for this show notes or something, but, um, on that topic um if your kids are using uh screens really frequently watching youtube too much playing video games i even grew up using screens too much yeah and i was not in this generation where they're so ubiquitous we just had television yeah we had crt yeah but uh but the thing is is there's a lot of research now that shows that like any any amount over an hour a day spent in a screen is is not good for kids health no um and so i know that's not very much time in some households but like you know it just as a quick aside if you have children and they're spending a lot of time in front of screens um you maybe uh check out some of the research that's that's happened in this area because um I've seen quite a lot of it lately, and it's it's not good. Mm. <laughs> and so, uh, anyway, we can move on from that. But like, ah, that wasn't, man, that wasn't I really a heavy do hope at all. <laughs> yeah, I really do hope though that something 
comes out of this, even if it's not on a like, even if it's not on a political level, yeah. just on a personal level for a lot of people, really stepping back and thinking through, yeah. you know, the impact these products are having on their lives. Yeah, I mean, what we really need is like an antitrust case against Facebook, and they need to be broken up. That's like the bare minimum. Yeah. But um, yeah, let's let's move. Speaking on. of antitrust, yeah. <laughs> well, we might as well go straight on to the next thing that could be antitrust. Essentially, uh, Google, uh, Chrome, all the things yeah. in Android. Yeah, uh, this is an interesting one. Basically, basically, what's happening here is like uh, Google has rolled out an experiment uh, with a quote unquote very small subset of Android users or a small percentage of users. Uh, where you know the little the search bar on your home screen on Android, like that's contractually obligated to be there. And basically, what they're doing is that they have uh, made it so that anytime you search in that box, it opens it in Chrome, regardless of your um, regardless of your um, settings, your default browser, anything like that. Um, am I getting that right, Ryan? Yeah, that's right. And and now. And and I don't know when this rolled out exactly because it doesn't say specifically in the article. It says it's an experiment, but um, I can just say on my own personal phone. For a while, whenever I would open a link in an in an app across the operating system, with the exception of Google Search, uh, the via the actual just search bar, yeah, it would open the. Uh, whatever link I clicked or in, in that third-party app, it would open it in Firefox um, in Gecko View. Yeah. And uh, the suddenly I noticed, I don't know when it was, probably a month ago, maybe further back, it started opening that in, um, in I, you know, they call it um, Web Layer, Web View, um, but it's the... It's Chrome. Yeah. It's Chromium. And uh, and that bothers me because, like, my Firefox is set with specific, you know, settings around privacy and cookie blocking, you know, and tracker blocking. Yeah. And, and uh, suddenly that just changes. And I don't even have, like, a method for setting that back besides to say I found that if I disable chrome entirely in the os uh the app can't be removed on my phone at least right but it can be disabled and so by disabling that it last time i checked it would work but then other things in the (laughs) other things act up as a result which maybe i just have to live with but i don't know this this really kind of is another obviously another thing that bothers me because when you set your your default browser you expect that the links that you open up on your phone are going to open in that browser right yeah and and like you said i mean not only does this um violate your preference for you know uh what web browser you use but by violating that preference 
like you said, it also, um, you know, ignores the extensions you have installed, you know, like Firefox has extensions and I, that's what I use on my phone. And I have uh uBlock origin set up on there. Uh, and, uh, it also like prevents you from, um, managing how your cookies are stored, like tracking identifiers are stored, like all of these different things. This is, this is a big violation of privacy here. And the fact that like it's only being, it's like run as an experiment, uh, is kind of mind boggling. Um, you said you didn't know how long it had been going on, but, uh, according to the article here, it says, this is from Andre Bandera, a developer at Google. He said, uh, this is not launched and is an experiment that's been running for over a year for a small percentage of users. Well, you know, there are like how many, 2 billion Android devices. So a small percentage of users could be a couple million people. Uh, that's a lot yeah. of data points, you know? <laughs> I assume I'm in it because I've seen the behavior yeah. change. And I am on a Pixel, a newer Pixel. Yep. And so I assume that would be a perfect <laughs> a perfect uh, platform to choose to test on. Yeah. And yeah. I'm actually using uh, Iode. I don't know if you saw my Iode review, but I've actually been using that. Um, and so it come it doesn't even come with Chrome installed, I don't think, which is really nice. Iode. Yeah, it's like yeah, a, think... it's like a uh, Android fork. It's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Very it's privacy focused. It has like a built-in uh um uh pie hole type thing that will redirect all bad network traffic, which is awesome. Gotcha. I've debated tr- using Graphene OS. Um, yeah. I have no uh no good reason for why I'm not already on it. I intended to try it out a few months ago and I just haven't taken the time to flash my phone. But I'd yeah, I really I don't like this and I and I'm not sure exactly what the answer is. Yeah. Well <laughs> for just like most people. See, dude, I have a video coming out on Friday. And I don't want to spoil a whole lot about it, but I will say that I think that uh, experimentation like this, you know, um, should be, it should have like serious oversight and should be considered human experimentation. Like, because this, the fact that Google owns this platform and they can just by the flick of a switch by you know running some query against some you know group of users in their database and they can say oh yeah now we're going to change how this behaves for these people to see how they respond to see what data we can collect like that needs serious oversight like google can't be trusted um and none of these companies can be trusted to to do these kind of like you know experiments where people don't even know that they're part of their subject of an experiment you know it's it's crazy yeah. to me. it is crazy i'd never i mean i'd have i've thought about you know that experimentation but not quite like that but this is yeah this is one of those things where this just being an experiment is kind of messed up 
Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, that's they a can... new perspective for me. <laughs> Say that again. I said, that's a new perspective for me. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you don't know you're part of an experiment, right? You, you know, and, and they're collecting all of this information about you. You know, they don't have to notify you that you're, you're in this group or that there's different data points that are being collected now. You know, uh, how is that not human experimentation? You know? Like I, I think it was two two weeks ago. I did the video about um, Facebook's perverse incentives or whatever the heck I called it. And um, in that video, I said like, you know, they they basically manipulate you based on the way you like or you know the the reactions you have to certain posts. And that's actually definitely true. Like that's something that they have done. Um, and and Google does the same thing. Uh, I don't. I just totally lost my train of thought. I apologize. <laughs> You're talking about Facebook manipulation. Uh, yeah, I mean, basically, yeah. these companies are are experimenting against their users all the time. Yeah, and I don't know how much of that should be allowed. Yeah. It's like it's like yeah. one thing to like collect analytics universally on you know on the web. You know what I'm saying? Like it's one thing if it's just like, oh yeah, you know, user ID blah 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 went to this web page, stayed there for an hour. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. a, it's an entirely different thing to have an install base of two billion people where you know everything about them and you can select uh participants at random or not at random even and run an, an experiment against their device you know against their usage of the device it's insane yeah i it just like the whole time we're talking about this i'm just thinking like you know is is a solution at least for technical people to just hop over to you know a different a different rom that they're, you know, certain that they're not going to be subject to this experimentation. I mean, obviously, the ultimate goal would be that this just wouldn't be able to happen like this, especially this one. This one's particularly, like, bad because it's taking something that people kind of assume is set a certain way and then undermining it. Yeah. And like, you don't really know because for instance, for me, I was just like, what has changed here? Like, what did I do to my settings? Like, yeah. you know, until reading this, I didn't realize like, oh, I, I'm being like pushed into this. Um, yeah. And yeah. And then I get, and then like a part of me is kind of concerned about what kind of effect this type of stuff has on people's decision to use like other products like Apple products. Right. Where, you know, I'm not really happy with, I'm not happy with that either <laughs> because <laughs> you lose a lot of freedom over what decisions you can make mm -hmm. and what you can use on the autonomy platform. Yeah. 
So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like the, I, the thing is, it's like it's one. It's it's you know, it's okay for us to be like, oh yeah, maybe the solution is people should use different ROMs. But most people have yeah. no clue. Just like most people have no exactly. clue about how to do to install Linux on their machine. You know, they exactly. uh, the option. And the thing is, the option is there for most people to install Linux on their computer. But the option is not there for most people to install a different ROM on their phone. You know, whether yeah. even if they're not using iPhones, most ver- phones that you buy from Verizon right now cannot have a, a ROM installed on it. Um, yeah. Like you have to like know how to research which f- models can have, uh, you know, their firmware or not their firmware, but their bootloader unlocked so that you can actually put a ROM on it. Um, yeah. And so. I, yeah, it's it's frustrating as hell because it's like the place where most people would benefit from having custom firmware, you know or having their own operating system and not one forced on them is the phone. And that's like the place where they have the least amount of choice. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, And your point is taken. Like there's just no good thing to say to the average user. Like this is what you should be doing. Yeah. Vote Um, for people who know what they're doing so that we can get laws in place that prevent this kind of shit from happening. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that's really what it boils down to yeah i guess so i mean it's what you can say like vote with your wallet but like when there literally are like you know you have options like the pine phone and 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 the uh the Librem five and a lot of carriers like actively ban both of those devices right now like uh i i put my uh sim card from my um iode phone into which is like a it's a flashed samsung galaxy 9 i think um i put that sim card into my librem 5 and i got a text message from at&t saying sorry that device is not supported on our network (laughs) it's like there are there aren't many good options at this point and it's terrible that's crazy Yeah, yeah but i agree i agree Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about something fun. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this Steam console. Yeah. I'm very curious. You've got questions and I might have answers. So where does the speculation start? All right. So there was a big uh, data. uh, There was a big release for Dota 2. Uh, and I mean, there was a ton of information in there and, uh, there was some data, data miners who went through and found references to the steam deck and also references to the steam console, two distinct, uh, like part pieces of hardware that were referenced in, in this, uh, data mine leak. Is that how they, is that the names in the, in the, uh, really? Yep. The steam deck and the steam console. Yep. So, okay. so, so they found this, the, a couple references to Steam Console in the Dota 2 leak. Um, 
and basically uh i heard about it through tyler mcvicker um on youtube uh, i i think he's pretty good at what he does with reporting um some people were upset that i used him as a reference but i mean you know i've never had much to complain about with tyler yeah so what do we what do we know about the scene console or at this moment do we have any other data that points this at the the existence of a steam console um well they still they have a very large hardware team at valve um a lot of it's like you know circumstantial uh evidence really Uh, but they have a large hardware team at valve and um the rdna2 um chip that they're using in the steam deck is capable of a lot more than what they're using it for um the uh you know they have it kind of it's not underclocked it's like undervolted i think so that it like is better for battery life but there's so much headroom with that silicon that like it makes a lot of sense for them to later down the road once the steam deck kind of has a foothold to release a, a, a console too um and the other like piece of information was that like uh when um jeff Keeley released the uh, the final hours of half-life alex there was like a a, a a street view style uh interactive tour of valve and um if you go into like a couple of different i think there's like two different lounge areas and there's um like a steam deck console that's actually like there's like a console looking device underneath a tv uh, and that's where I got that shot from in the thumbnail of my video. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, I was curious about what that was. Um, that's that's interesting. Uh, so do you think... So, so tell me in your mind, let's assume for a second, there is a Steam console. Mm-hmm. What do you think the strategy is there? All right, so this this is the strategy. The strategy is... They release the Steam Deck, right? Get developers on board with SteamOS and publishing their games so that they're compatible with Proton, right? Uh, because there's I, there's enormous interest in mobile gaming right now because the Switch is super popular and because, you know, there's these other, like, high-end mobile gaming devices like the the GPD Win series and uh, the Aya Neo and stuff like that. So Valve sees an in there in order to make headway against Windows um, with developers. Uh, so their plan is to release a Steam Deck at a killer price point, you know, 400 bucks to start with. That's a great price point. They can get developers on board. There's a ton of excitement about the Steam Deck right now. So you get these developers on board. They're they're publishing their game for um for Steam or for for SteamOS and Proton. Couple like couple months, maybe a year down the road, they release uh the the Steam Deck's big brother that plugs into your TV. It doesn't have a screen um but it's a cheap console alternative. Uh, they Valve, I think, wants to compete directly uh, against like the uh, what you call it, like the console market share, right? Like the Xbox uh, Series and the PlayStation Five. Valve wants to go head to head against those guys. Get console gamers into Steam, 
right? Bring them over. If you provide them with a box that all they have to do is plug it into their TV, download a game, and it, and it works, that's what they're trying to do here. That's what I think. So, um, and because their Valve's releasing the Steam Deck first, they're going to be able to um, iron out a lot of the bugs that are there uh, at launch. You know, PC gaming kind of complicated. Sometimes it's not for everybody, but hopefully Valve can consoleize the experience, get it to a point where uh, console gamers are able to play it without having to fuss around with you know which version of Proton they're using and all that crap, and get console gamers into Steam. And if they can do that, then they have a serious beachhead to fight against Windows. Um, because, you know, right now, Windows is still the dominant operating system for gaming. And, I mean, it's really, yeah. like, gaming is Windows' biggest life support system. Like, if, if, my, if Valve can take some of that market share away, that's going to do a lot of damage to, to Windows. Uh, they really would only have, like, the corporate... Um, infrastructure, the corporate, uh, you know, workstation stuff left. Um, yeah, that that's my thought. That's my thought on their strategy. Yeah, I can't say I disagree. I think that it makes sense to have, and of course they thought this before because they had the steam machines. It makes sense to have a, a devices or a device that can provide the a premier gaming experience of a complete you know 4k beautifully like max settings or you know at least high settings uh gaming experience so i wouldn't be surprised by this and i was wondering what exactly how exactly they were gonna get into that space because you remember if you go back and listen what at the first episode that I was on, you know, I talked about the Steam Deck and how I wish that there was a dock that would provide some some extra power to the device in order to ensure that you could have that 4K um, television uh, console experience. And uh, but I'm. I'd be okay with the Steam console too, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if if you're, they're constrained by battery on the deck, right? Like that's the biggest thing. And if they release uh, a a um, standalone unit that plugs into your TV, um, and and plugs into the wall, they wouldn't be constrained by the battery anymore. So they could, you know, up the clock speed, add more cores, you know. Um, maybe maybe compete with like actual uh you know console like current gen console hardware um yeah and i think that there's a lot of room in that space because you know and i i think that it would be a critical mistake for valve to release the steam console and target current pc gamers that would be a huge mistake because a, a lot of PC gamers want to build their own hardware. You know, they see that I know so many PC gamers who are like, why the hell would I sp spend $400 on, 
on, you know, a Steam Deck. Why would I do that? That doesn't make any sense, you know? Like, oh, I could I could get this all these parts and do it, you know, my myself. It's like they missed the point, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So what I think Valve should be doing, and if I was them, I would be doing this, is target console gamers. Because they don't, you know, they don't have an existing Steam library. So if you can bring them in and be like, look, you buy the game once and you own it. Like you don't, you, yeah. you know, you buy the game once and whatever console you buy down the line from us still works. You know, Microsoft's yeah. trying to do that already with the Xbox now. Um, the The thing is, it's like people see like game pass like console gamers see game pass and they're like wow that's such a good deal when it's like yeah but if you stop paying for the thing you spent you know freaking ten thousand dollars over the last five years subscribing to game pass (laughs) and you stop paying one month and you don't have access to any of the games you paid for for the last five years or whatever so it's like it's not a great deal so if you can be like look you buy a game on steam you you have it indefinitely like you you won't lose it going forward like yeah that's i think that's that's i mean i don't know that's that's my that would be my sales pitch if if i was valve <laughs> i agree i wish there's a lot of times that i'm that i'm like playing on the playstation now i move my television up to i mean i move my gaming pc up to my tv mm-hmm. so now i do have my whole steam library you know there but before I was like, man, I really wish I could just play one of the, you know, hundreds of games I have down the on the PC up here, mm. and just like with the with the console experience, like controller, like nothing. I don't have to worry about any of the, I don't know, extra stuff. Like that's what makes consoles great, you yeah. know, is like. You flip it on, you know, five seconds later, you're in a game, mm-hmm. you know, and you're just, you don't worry, you're not worrying about most of like, you know, you're just worrying about the game. Yeah. And it looks like SteamOS 3 with their, their suspend options, you know, and things like that. It's like, they're thinking a lot about that console experience. And yeah. so having my Steam library, but also not thinking about necessarily not thinking about that as a computer and just thinking about it as the game machine and yeah, that's really powerful yeah um so i'm i'm eager for a steam console i hope that we i hope more there are more leaks around this <laughs> yeah i want to know more yep me too Yeah. Hey, so you 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 started using a new search engine. Uh, you want to tell me about that? I did. Yeah. So um, I, I I don't use it for all my searches, uh, but a while back, I decided to use DuckDuckGo for all my searches, mm-hmm. and uh, in the past that had been really hard. Uh, not really hard, but harder because. I would do a search on DuckDuckGo and and I wouldn't see what I wanted and I would yeah. flip over to Google and I'd do a search and I would 
see it, you know, in the top few results. And so, uh, I, but I would always try to use DuckDuckGo. I try to keep it, you know, in my kind of like yeah, daily or at least like fairly frequent use because I just supported, you know, what they were doing. Uh, and then a little while back, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, um, I heard about this um, new search engine, uh, Neva, which is a uh, subscription search engine. And uh, they, they, their marketing is all about, you know, privacy and, and, uh, and about like offering a premium product. Um, and so I gave it a try and it's pretty good. It's, it's much better than I had anticipated. Mm, Um, so their whole deal is, is my understanding of it. And I really need to delve deeper into their privacy policy, but like they have all this information about, uh, all this marketing material about, oh, we don't track you. Um, you know, the, we don't sell your information to third parties, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and so like I, I decided to give it a try based on that. And also because I like the idea that our, my incentives are aligned more aligned when I'm paying the search engine for the service they provide. Yeah. Which is displaying things to me that are relevant to what I'm searching for. Right. Um, and so ultimately like I would encourage people to try it out. You get like, uh, I think right now you can get, I don't know if it's 30 days or, Three months. It says get up, need, get three months free, and then just four ninety five. Yeah, that. yeah. I encourage people to try it just for the, just for the heck of it. Yeah, it um, seems cool. I like I like the the design. It's really nice. Yeah, but that's what I was gonna say. Is is it? It's actually turned out to be pretty good. Like I, I've done searches on it and consistently found what I was looking for. And there are things, there are all these like extra um, little features that make it nice to use. For instance, if you search for something like, uh, here, let me type in something that I know is going to bring up a search. Uh, so Biden gave a UN speech, I think it was last night or today. Um, and so I do a search for um, Biden UN speech. And I've already gone through and told it what news I don't want to see, like what news sources I don't want to see. Yeah. And so what it does is it, as it shows me these things, it shows me, uh, it, it pulls out the ones that I don't want to see and it puts the ones that I put, you can say, I prefer this news source neutral or I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want this new source, and uh, it'll put the ones that you're that you like, you know, first if they have relevant content. Yeah. Um. 
And I, I really like that because um, there are some news sources. I won't say what they are, but um, there are some news sources that I just really think <laughs> don't. <laughs> They're not news. Don't have journalistic news. integrity. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, I really don't want them. I try to keep an open mind. You know, I read the New York Times and I read the Wall Street Journal. And, like, you know, that's to so that I, I get the t- different takes on the same events. But, uh, but there are some that I just I don't want to see, and that's that's a nice little feature to be able to control that yeah. for your searches. Another thing that is good is like if I type in like um, chocolate chip cookies, okay, and I do a search. I just did it. That's what the <laughs> typing and waiting for a second is. <laughs> uh, it will list out. Uh, recipes in the search Mm. and if I click on one of these recipes to the right of the search or to the right of that uh, of the search results uh, so taking up about a third of the the uh, website space I guess it will list out the full recipe there mm, cool. and it looks really nice it looks really uh it's just well presented and there's so many things like that like uh there's i'll do one more and and then i'll i'll be done going through the uh features but uh pretty sure if i search for like a specific product like dyson vacuum try that my wife has been talking a lot about mm. getting a Dyson vacuum after a neighbor let us borrow theirs. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're nice. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if I so it lists out like these reviews of the vacuum, and if I click on uh, that product, it will it gives me like an overview of the mm. the product with the review. Yeah. To the right before I head to the to the website. I don't know. It's just really it's a different experience than I you know you get from Google or you get from DuckDuckGo. Mm. And it's it's just um doing it's doing something with my brain cuz I'm like, yeah. oh wow, this is this is different. Is this better? I don't know, but it's it's I want to play around with it more. Yeah. Hey, I just had a thought. What if Facebook and Instagram and all these social media companies had to charge users to use the service? <laughs> that might solve a couple problems. <laughs> yeah. Incentives would change. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Nobody would pay for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, that's what this is the kick I've been on lately is Neva's yeah. just me. Like I I've been on this kick to be paying for most of the services I use, um, online. And, uh, I found that typically the products that you pay for, and I know some people don't have a lot of money, extra money to, to spend on every service they come across. But I found that the services that I pay for generally like, are better aligned with, you know, 
Yeah. With what I, what's good for me and what's, what serves me best. And so, um, Neva's an interesting one. I encourage people to, to try it out. Uh, so let me see here. Wait, before I, before I, uh, <laughs> before I just go ahead and say that, um, maybe I will see if I can post my referral link <laughs> in the chat and get a free month. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, like, um, I encourage people to at least give it a try. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely going to. Yeah. And maybe we can do a, in a future episode, we can do a, a search engine comparison mm. once I've had time to play around with this. And there are a few others that like start page, for instance, that, that I've been wanting to give a good, honest try to. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I'm pretty happy with DuckDuckGo, but I think I'm going to give Neva a try for sure. Well, yeah, I also saw, Oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, uh, uh, that's pretty much it for this episode, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, dude, this has been a great episode. Uh, thank you for being here as always, my friend. Yep. Good talking to you. Yeah. Uh, if you guys like this, you know what to do. You can follow us, uh, subscribe on uh, Pocket Casts or whatever app you use. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spotify, all the above. So, uh, yeah. Thank you for listening to this episode of Off Topical, and we'll see you guys in the next one. See you later.